Welcome to Emerge, the health podcast for busy, high-performing women. Each week, we feature interviews, information, and inspiration that will motivate you to transform from overwhelmed, overworked, and overweight to vibrant, energetic, and on fire. My name is Dr. Alex Swenson-Ridley, selfless syndrome expert, board-certified women's health coach, and alternative medicine practitioner, wife, mom, and entrepreneur. I specialize in health for busy and driven women. Listen weekly as I share the tools, perspective, and knowledge you need to lose weight, boost your energy, and fall in love with yourself so that you can serve the world with an even bigger impact. Hello, welcome back to Emerge, the health podcast for busy, high-performing women. Today, I am joined by Leah Pinelli. Leah, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. And um, let's just jump right into it. I know you are a life coach and work some in the weight loss world, though we were just talking about how we both don't really identify with that. So yes. let's just start with some of your story and how you got into doing what you do. And then we're going to have a great conversation, I know. Yeah, so. yeah. Thank you. Um, Yeah, I mean, really, my story started, I mean, from childhood. I was always like a, you know, chubby kid and got teased for it and all the things. Um, and, um, basically from the age of nine until the age of 35, I was always on a diet. I was on diet, on a diet, off a diet, but either way, like dieting was my whole world. Um, and I had done every diet in the book from of course, calorie counting to weight watchers a bajillion times to carbohydrate addicts, South beach, like all the things. Um, and yet you know, I was in my mid thirties and I was still struggling with my weight. Um, I was still overweight, you know, and I certainly had periods of weight loss and feeling great, but then it was never sustainable. Um, and so by the time I was 35, I got pregnant with my son. And, um, after he was born, I just decided, forget it. Like, I'm so done with this. I have so many better things to do with my time. Like, uh, you know, raise my child, my career, all these things. I didn't have the t- capacity, especially because like, like it didn't work. Like I was like, if it hasn't worked at this point, like it's not going to work. And I don't want to spend any more mental energy on this. Um, and at the time I was actually, um, I'm a, my background is in education. And when I got pregnant with my son, I was a high school administrator, but I knew I wanted to go back to the classroom once he was born. Cause I did not want to, uh, have such a, uh, kind of intense job with a new baby. So I returned to the classroom and I was given the opportunity to create any course that I wanted. And so I created a course for girls. So it was only open to students who were female identified. And, um, the course was really around their own empowerment. So we did yoga and meditation, but our curriculum was actually, um, it was, it was, I, I, I designed a curriculum that was really student led around the issues that were impacting girls. Like if you remember high school at all, (laughs) you remember that like, nobody's talking about healthy relationships or if they are, it's like from this very pedantic, like there's like some super unrelatable adult at the front of the room. Who's telling you what a healthy relationship is, who completely doesn't have any sense of what your world is like at the age of 15. And, you know, so we designed this course to really help them. I designed the course to help girls navigate their own lives from an empowered place And part of that was around, obviously, body image and food and health. And on the one hand, I was preaching, like shoving down their throats, you know, body diversity and self-love and all of this stuff. But yet I felt a little bit like a, like a, an imposter in a way, because I was still struggling with 
um, my own relationship with food. And so while I was at that time about 30 pounds overweight, and I, I didn't really hate my body. I didn't really have a problem with my body. I, I was like, I'm just a curvy woman. And I think curvy women are sexy. So I'm right there with them. You know, like I felt good in my body, but, um, but it was my relationship with food that was still really bothersome to me. I would overeat, um, regularly. I would always eat. I didn't feel like there was a, a point between starving and stuffed. I was always one or the other. And which meant I was always physically uncomfortable because both of those states of being aren't comfortable. Um, I ate a lot. My husband is six foot seven ex hockey goalie, and I could eat just as much as him and not be phased. And it just felt like something was off, um, with my relationship with food. And so, um, but I was done with dieting and I actually then enrolled in life coach training because I wanted to gather some more tools to help my girls navigate their lives. They would come to me with these like huge issues and problems. And I realized I didn't really have any tools to help them make their own decisions. I just had my opinions. I'd be like, you need to dump him and <laughs> he's not good for you. you know? But I'm like, that doesn't help them. Like they need the tools themselves. And so I, I went to life coach training to see if I could gather some of those tools for them. And I did, but along the way in life coach training, I had heard about weight loss coaching and Dr. Alex, I'm not kidding that the first thought that I had when I heard about weight loss coaching was, well, that sounds like a scam because if that worked, I would have done it by now because I have done everything. Right. And so I literally, this was in 2016 when I went to training and I did not even consider it until 2018 was when I first accidentally stumbled upon a tool that we use in weight loss coaching. And it's a mindset tool, right? It's not about food. It was actually about your brain and how you think and how, and kind of regulating your own hormones so that you can really start to tap into your natural hunger and satiety levels. And so this tool was mind blowing to me because I, I stumbled upon it and I tried it because it didn't involve dieting at all. And I lost seven pounds without even trying. And I was like, wait, what just happened? <laughs> like how did I just lose weight without trying? Because I try to lose weight and I can't. So how did that happen? So at that point I got really curious and I really wanted to learn more. Um, so then just little by little, I started to learn and then I went through training and, um, and, and what happened for me, like the reason that this is now my mission, which my mission now is to free up the collective mental real estate that women are currently investing in counting calories and carbs and all of that. And instead, like, let's free it up to focus on what really matters in our lives. I mean, like I have degrees from Stanford and Berkeley and I wasn't using them because I was so focused on, you know, my body and my relationship with food. And it's like, this is such a waste of mental real estate. So now that, that I've had that, um, that kind of sense of freedom in my own life, I'm like, I have to just help other women with this because I believe we can, we can solve the world's problems in a matter of months. If we could just free ourselves from the ball and chain of the dieting. I love it. And that's, yeah. Yeah, totally. My my mission is to like help women break free from misinformation and societal pressure and a lack of self-worth and step yes. into the power that they really are. So long as yeah. Yes, totally. Well, you brought up so many great things in your story. It's um rather recently, I, I'm gonna share this because I have actually haven't talked about it on the show yet, but I, I have a client that I'm working with and she got on their call with me and was like, so if I don't do the food stuff, is this detox still going to work? <laughs> I was like, um, okay, hang on. Like what's going on? What's yeah. up? This is essentially what I asked her in my coaching side. I was like, all right, what's up? And she 
she just was really earnest. Obviously we're over zoom, but she like looked right in the camera and she's like, you know, I've been on a diet since I was 13 and my daughter and she's in her fifties. She said, you know, my teenage daughter looked at me in the kitchen the other day and said, mom, you know, this is the first time you haven't been on a diet. And she was just like, I need to heal my relationship with food. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Like that's totally, you know, she's not trying to cop out of something. She's recognized what the problem really is and what's plagued her and why all this stuff hasn't worked. And that was part of, you know, your story and what you shared. Yes. Yeah. And so much of it comes down to mindset. And I've also, I didn't share with you before we started, but I lost about 30 pounds last year. Um, oh, wow. Having wow. been in a similar place of like, just my weight kept going up. I, not like I didn't, yeah. I helped other women lose weight, but I could not figure myself out. And yeah. there were some things that came together, but big part of it was actually the mindset and just believing yes. it was possible and recognizing yes. I'd had a terrible body image conversation since forever. Like I thought I'd escaped my dad's comments about how much I should weigh when I was a soccer player mm. with a soccer butt, but mm. apparently I didn't. Cause even when I was running marathons in a size zero, I still thought I was fat in pictures. Right. Totally. And, yeah. Yes. And so, you know, there's so many places we can go with this, but let's, yeah. let's dive into that mindset piece. Cause I think it's the, it's the thing that's missing. Like there's this whole totally. weight loss industry and culture and diet culture and the like, Oh, I'm not eating that. And the restriction and just like all of this negative stuff that has gotten put into our world and we have to be able to break through that. Yeah. Anything's going to work. So absolutely. Well, and I think that so much of the mindset piece is, um, rooted in weight, weight in the work that it sounds like you do, which is around self-worth, right? Because yeah. we have been socialized, you know, from birth, basically that, you know, as women, we have to be fearful of our hunger and we can't be trusted with food and, you know, that you're going to, uh, if you're not good, right. If you're not with the idea of being good or bad with food, if you're not good and then, and then if you're not good, then you're going to wear the shame, right. Cause it's like when you carry, you know, quote unquote, extra weight, people can see it. So it's almost like this public shaming of I'm the biggest one in the room. And so I've clearly failed and I'm clearly bad. And then that skinny one over there, she's clearly good. And so, I mean, there's so much of it is socialized. And, and, and so, I mean, I I think that it's multifactorial. There's so many pieces and it's complex, but that, that point of self-worth of recognizing that I am worth slowing down for, to make myself the healthy lunch that I really crave today. Right. And it doesn't have to take a ton of time. Like one of the things that I teach my clients is like, this is not about, because I I don't want to spend a bunch of time in the kitchen. I don't enjoy cooking, but I do want to eat really well and really healthy. And so it's like recognizing that like eating the crust off of my kid's sandwich or, you know, eating, grabbing the box of Cheez-Its because I didn't take the time to prepare for something that I'm worthy of. You know, I always think about like, I used to do this exercise with my clients where I was like, imagine you're Oprah you know, and like, what do you imagine that Oprah's eating? And yeah, Oprah has a chef. So let's just imagine that you have a chef that's going to create these meals for you. What would you be eating? Because nobody's eating a box of Cheez-Its if, if they have a personal chef like Oprah, right? And so it's not to say that now you, you've got to like hold yourself to that standard of always eating in these like really healthy ways, but it's just recognizing that you're worthy of nourishment and you're worthy of having a healthy relationship with food and you're worthy of the time that you might invest in yourself in that way. And you mentioned your client with a teenage daughter. And that's one of the main reasons I do this work is because 
this is a generational issue that is passed down from mothers to daughters, first and foremost. And yes, the media plays a huge role, but seeing our moms, you know, even just seeing my mom counting points at the table, um, it's not, she didn't, she wasn't shoving it down my throat, but it, it sends us a message that this is what we as women do. We count points. We're careful with food. We should be fearful of food. Um, and then we overgive and overwork and overwhelm ourselves by taking care of children and careers and everything else. So it's like, well, of course that's going to get lost in the shuffle. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many thoughts I just had while you're talking through all that, but the, the big thing is reframing, like, you know, I think so many of us were addicted to sugar. And so like we put our self-worth and like, oh, I'm going to have that Starbucks or, yes. you know, up here where I am, we have all these local coffee shops and it's, you know, I've, I've been in the position when I was, I used to own like a huge chiropractic wellness center and had a bunch of staff. And it was like my treat at the end of a really stressful day was, you know, it was decaf and a dairy, like non-dairy milk, but yeah. I'm still going through the coffee hat line. Right. And yeah. Changing that self-worth to like, no, we are worthy of vegetables and like good, healthy things that are going to leave us feeling good. And that is such a shift, I think, for so many, so many. Huge shift because you just said it, right? Like, I don't think that as women, we are socialized to feel like we are worthy of feeling good, right? Like, no, no, no. I just need to worry about if everybody else feels good. Right. You know, it don't matter. No, no, we're, we are dispensable in that way. Right. Just give, 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 give. Yeah. And the thing is, and what so many of us don't recognize, I think, cause we're just so in that, like, well, I don't matter. It's about everybody else. Everybody else is we do matter. We matter to them. Like, and they totally. deserve for us to take good care of ourselves so that we can be available to them in a way that when you're running, you know, burning the better candle at both ends, you're just not. Totally. Totally. And, you know, I have a, um, one of the things that I realized in my own life was when I would, I, cause I talk a lot about self-trust and self-betrayal, right. And a lot of times, well, as, as, as women in particular, or, you know, or pe- humans who have been socialized as women, we have become quite accustomed to letting ourselves down. Right. So we make promises to ourselves, like, Monday morning, I'm going to get back on the wagon, you know, and I'm going to like, I'm going to eat healthy and I'm going to stop going through that drive-thru and stop, you know, I'm going to k- kick my sugar habit and all the things that we say, we're going to start exercising. I'm going to start running. I'm going to start training for that marathon, you know, and then Monday rolls around and we don't do it for a bajillion reasons. Right. And usually those reasons are somewhere in the neighbor, like in one of two camps, it's either like, well, I really didn't want to, I really didn't feel like it. Or I had other priorities like, you know, running kids around and my boss and my team or whatever it is. And so what happens is, is we become like, we completely normalize self-betrayal, meaning not showing up for ourselves when we said we were going to. And, you know, one of the things that I, I talk a lot about with my clients is like, if we treated our partners like that, or if we treated our friends like that, they would stop hanging out with us. Like if you let down your best friends, like every time you said you're going to show up for coffee and then you didn't, like she's not going to show up for you anymore. She's going to be like, I'm going to go find some new friends. But with ourselves, it's just normal. It's like, I told myself I was going to eat that like healthy, healthy lunch today. And instead I didn't. And I did this other thing. Oh, well, I'll just start tomorrow. We don't hold ourselves in the same regard that we hold our friends or that we hold our kids or that we hold our partners. And I think that, what happens then is we become so accustomed to letting ourselves down that we can't trust ourselves 
just like you couldn't trust somebody who constantly lets you down. And so when, then when you set goals for yourself, you, there's this part of you in the back of your mind. That's like, yeah, that's never really going to happen. I'm not ever really going to do it. And it erodes our own relationship with ourselves, right? So we don't show up for ourselves. So we never meet the goal. And therefore we end up having a pretty crappy relationship with ourselves because, you know, we never feel good. We never follow through on ourselves. So one of the things that I do with my clients is we start by just starting to build trust with ourselves. And that is as simple as making a plan for tomorrow. Right. And it's like, and I always tell my clients, I'm like, we're not planning to eat healthy. We're not planning to lose weight. We're not planning any of that. We're just going to plan. What am I going to eat tomorrow? What am I going to eat for breakfast? What am I going to eat for lunch? What am I going to eat for dinner? Am I going to have any snacks? And it's not about like being good or bad. It's just, what do I plan to eat? And then I'm going to promise myself that I'm going to eat exactly that. And the purpose of it is to really learn how to start to follow through on yourself. So if you're somebody who is eating three scoops of ice cream every night and you tell yourself, I'm going to give up ice cream, I'm going to give, give it up. But then you keep eating it every night. I always tell them like, put three scoops of ice cream on your plan for tomorrow. Like, let's not, we're not here to deny ourselves, put it on there and then eat your three scoops and then feel what it feels like to have fallen through, fallen, followed through on what you said you're going to do for yourself. And then from there, we can start to ratchet it down a little bit, right? Like, so maybe we go from three scoops of ice cream to two and a half, but the important part is that you're following through. It's not about what you're eating at this point. It's about building that trust with yourself. I really, really like that. That's really good and profound. Cause ultimately it's about, um, I was on like a total integrity kick my entire twenties <laughs> because I went through some personal development training that we talked a lot about integrity and essentially that's what we're, you know, self-trust and it's keeping your word to yourself yes. and that's being yes. in integrity with yourself. And when you're out of integrity, like nothing works right. The the world is right. not aligned and, and you're so spot on that it's with ourselves and we have that betrayal of ourselves that is just driven by all of these yes. external things. And we have to be willing to slow down long enough to recognize it. And then to start yeah. healing that relationship with ourselves. Is, totally. Yeah. And I love that you say that because, um, you know, in terms of integrity, whenever I think about women that I am attracted to or admire, they're always women who are in full integrity and who are just so confident and grounded in their own you know, wholeness, right? Like integrity in that sense of the word. And then, and, and yet as women, we often, we fall prey to this, you know, people pleasing that we're constantly trying to do, you know what I mean? And people pleasing is the opposite of integrity because I'm trying to manipulate. I want you to feel a certain way about me, or I just want you to feel happy. So I'm going to try to do things over here to make you feel that way but I can't actually make you feel that way. And then I'm out of alignment. I'm out of integrity. Right. So it's like when we, you know, eat our mama's apple pie because she made it and you really didn't want it, but you ate it because you wanted her to be happy. It's like that same idea of like losing that sense of self. Um, and then really yeah. nobody wins. Yeah. Oh, it's so true. I love that you bring that up. I, um, I had a client, it was during the holidays so a couple months ago, but she said like her neighbors and, you know, family kept bringing them sweets and stuff and they weren't eating it. She was, you know, she'd been doing really well and was just loving treating her body, but she couldn't say like, turn it away. So it was coming into the house yes. and then she's like, I don't know what to do with this. And then one day her husband answered the door to her aunt or something. And he was just like, Oh, thanks so much for thinking of us. We're actually not eating that right now. So if there's someone else you want to give it to, that would be great. And it was like, not a big deal. And she overheard yes. it. it was just like, 
I can do that. (laughs) What? And, you know, and that's, you know, that was just, he was being in integrity with himself where she was having this like big emotional, you know, and then in her head about how to like, how do I, we worry about all this stuff that really, yeah it doesn't yeah. have to be a big deal. Like don't right. make a big deal. <laughs> That's right. That's Just right. Like, and if somebody's upset that you're not eating what they want you to eat for whatever reason, because they made it or like, honestly, like that's, that's an issue with them. Like, yes. <laughs> like that's not it's your problem. You. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. I can't hinge my happiness on whether or not you, Dr. Alex eat my, you know, mm-hmm. like casserole. Like if, if I'm hinging my happiness, on what you do, then I'm going to be pretty miserable myself. Right. And so that's where I just, I love the concept of just emotional adulthood where it's like, we all get to take responsibility for our feelings. You know what I mean? And like, I'm, I'm, you know, I I love you, but I, I just don't prefer to eat that right now. And I'm not gonna just because I think it's going to make you happy. Yeah. My husband is actually one who has a big, we're about four years into marriage, but he's in a different world with food from where I am. Cause I've been on my journey for almost 20 years. And you know, there's yeah. certain things that I'm like, he's like, why don't you want to have ice cream with me? I'm like, well, because generally I have a sore throat in three hours and I'll be really mean to you. So yeah. <laughs> I, I know this. So why, like, I, do you want me to make that choice? I don't really yes. want to make that choice. Yes. Like, yeah. yeah. And, well, and that, I love that you said, I'm, I'm going to be mean to you because I remember noticing that, that when I would be out of integrity with food. So when I would eat something that I hadn't planned for, I wasn't following through on myself. Right. And then I right. you know, ate it because I wanted to make other people happy. Um, I found that I would get grumpy with other people. And I realized I was like, oh, this is really ironic that I'm eat like, you know, I ate this thing because I didn't want to disappoint anyone. And now I'm like grumpy mommy, <laughs> you know? And then I'm like, so really this just like, you know, I, I could have the, the, the opposite of what I wanted to have happen happened because now everybody's miserable because I'm grumpy. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and part of it takes slowing down long enough to know these things and to be able to, to notice that in just like you said, starting to work on that relationship with not just with food, but with ourselves too. Yes. And, you know, cluing into what do we really need? It's, um, yes. it's been interesting. One of the, I have like an emotional and energetic part of my assessment that I do with women now. Some of this mm-hmm. is from my integrative medicine stuff work I've been doing, but some of the questions I ask are like, do you take care of yourself? <laughs> and mm. are, you know, are you in tune with what you really need? And the number of women, and part of that is, you know, who I speak to and who I'm attracting, but the answer is no, like never, Right. You know, they're marking it as a zero. And I'm so interested and curious, and this is probably what my dissertation will be about, but, you know, and a lot of what you brought up is like, it's societally driven and there's all this stuff, but like, what is that where we decide that we are just not worth it? Um, so right. I don't know if you have any insight. You, you've shared quite a bit already, but yeah. Well, I mean, I think I, I think it's how we're socialized. I mean, I, yeah. I, I really do. And yeah. and you know, I think probably part of it part of it is. I mean, it's always a bit of nature and nurture, right? I mean, like right. there's this part of it where I mean, if you think about it, like when we birth a well, first of all, just when we conceive of a baby like our body is kind of taken over in a lot of ways, right? Like where it's like, you know, certain things are, you know, priorities have shifted just physiologically, they have shifted, right? And um, and so on the one hand, we've kind of given ourselves over. And then when you have a baby, the, you know, like humans are the only, you know, mammals that are born completely dependent on their parents or dependent on an adult to for their survival, 
Um, and so when, when you really look at how much we as humans have to give, and the truth is, I mean, if you think about just sustenance from a biological standpoint, had to come from the female body, right? From milk coming from a female's body. Um, and like men were really irrelevant at that point. Like they can't do anything. <laughs> and so like in this way, like when I think about it, you know, I think that part of that kind of giving ourselves over is kind of biological. There's some points in there that like biologically we do that, but it's not forever is the thing. And we were never designed to do it on our own, right? Like we were, you know, we had communities and aunties and mothers and cousins and, you know, we had villages to help us. So it's important yeah. to recognize that I'm, I'm not trying to say that like we are somehow biologically destined to give ourselves over, but I do think that there is some piece of that that's there. But then I also think that that coupled with the socialization of, of, of women. Um, and then especially, I mean, you know, even just, just, you know, like men going out to work and women staying home and taking care of everybody and the invisible labor of women and yeah. all of it. I mean, it certainly benefits the a patriarchal um, society to continue to socialize women in this way. And it's not just men who are doing it to women. I don't mean to imply that either, but yeah. um, so I think it's, I think that there are, it's complex and there are many factors, but I also think it's something that we can liberate ourselves from. And I think that we've come yeah. a long way and I think we can continue on this path. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is a little bit of a side note, but an interesting point you brought up is just the idea around community because it's something that especially in the last two years we've lost in a big way um and you know we stay so busy and and all the things that and you know i've engaged in communities like at church and, and whatnot and kind of had my village especially i was a single mom for a lot of years and went through a divorce when my kid was pretty little um and i had people in my like i'm yes. not near my actual family they're i mean i'm in alaska they're in vermont so they're like literally on the other yeah. side of the continent but i was able to create this you know people and we we helped each other and supported each other yeah. and did that but many of us are missing that and we aren't taking the time to both rest and to create that community um totally of support totally yeah you know um, are you familiar with the work of Oh gosh, I'm forgetting the author's name now, but with the blue zones, um, the blue zones. I am. There's, yeah, there's a couple different authors out there, but I'm yeah. with them. Yeah. With the concept. Yeah. So yeah. the, um, one of the things that, uh, the Dan, uh, I cannot remember his last name now, but he was the original journalist who started the investigation of like, why do people live longer in these you know areas of the right. world? So essentially for your listeners, it's a fascinating concept. Uh, fascinating studies about just why do people in these certain pockets of the world live the longest and they are the most vibrant and healthy, right? So it's not like they're 108, but they're like in a hospital bed. They're like gardening and like <laughs> drinking red wine and enjoying their <laughs> yeah. little lives, right? Um, but the reason I that I bring that up is because uh, he just came out with a new a new Blue Zones publication that is, it's a challenge. It's like a four-week challenge. Um, and I picked it up. And one of the things that he has um, identified are these like nine zones that he talks about that basically what he has come to after decades of studying the blue zones is it's not just about what people eat, it is how they live. So it is about, to your point, community, it is about general health and well being. I mean, there's these nine kind of factors, right, that people value and prioritize. And the community one was really interesting, because when I did the little blue zones test, because I thought I would like my results would be like, 
really good because I'm so healthy, you know, I exercise and I eat my vegetables. And like, I thought for sure that I would score high, but I actually scored really low in certain areas like community because a, we, we did just move last year. So that's one part of it. But, um, so we moved eight hours away from home, but also, um, I don't always prioritize community because I'm an introvert and I work from home and you know what I mean? So like I could easily go without seeing people for months, you know, just my little family, but recognizing that there's so much health and wellness around having a community. And I realized when I did the assessment that I was like, I I need to work on that. Like, and I want to work on that because when you have community, it bolsters your health in so many ways that you, you just, again, it goes back to feeling good and feeling better you know, and I deserve that too. Yeah, absolutely. And just another piece of that, like for women in particular, our stress response and how we deescalate is we're not fight or flight so much. It's, we actually need to tend and befriend. And I've done studies on this that like physiologically we're a little different from men because we don't want to go fight somebody. We need to sit down and talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. And husbands aren't really good at that. Right. <laughs> right they're like, right. Oh, I have to fix something. What do I do? And you're like, yeah, right. listen to me. Right. Um, and, you know, as we can start to foster that again, as you know, the world's kind of opening yeah. up again, I think it's huge and something all of us need to work on that. And then rest is the other one that I think a lot of women uh, think they're healthy. A hundred percent. aren't. <laughs> and no. I'm guilty of this too. It's always my lowest score, that in community. Yeah. 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 Well, the sleep is, I always say sleep is actually my number one priority um, in that because I have learned over the years, like, you know, to your point that it's been a journey. Mm-hmm. I have learned that without sleep, everything else suffers in some way. So, right. Like my, how I'm showing up suffers, my attentiveness to my clients suffer, my relationship with my family suffers because I'm, you know, grumpy <laughs> essentially, yeah. or just not as present. Um, I'm hungrier. Right. So then I may be eating more because I'm looking for energy through food when really what I needed was rest. You know, and so yeah. what I have just found, and and I do struggle with middle insomnia, so I fall asleep no problem, but I wake up in the night. But I have actually restructured my day so that I no longer see clients in the mornings, so that if I do have a night that I'm up, I can go back to sleep and you know wake up naturally. Um, but really recognizing that it was such a priority for cognitive health, for mental health, for emotional health. I mean, all of it was just really important. Yeah. Yeah. And I come across a lot of women, like those listening know I have an empty head cold right now. Um, and I actually, before we got on, recorded an episode and just, you know, part of why I got here is we flew to Minnesota to, my son was visiting his dad there, um, for three weeks. And so we did like a turn and burn, um, which I'm in Alaska, right? So that means we, our flight was at 2:50 AM. Oh, we don't leave man. at normal times here because of the time difference. And we flew right. all night and then, you know, ended up going to a concert with him, which was super fun. But I basically had two or three nights where I really didn't sleep and it's just a perfect storm for your immune system not working really great yeah like and now I'm you know dealing with I got hit with my period and a cold like in two days I'm like oh my gosh I know Um, and so just recognizing and creating like you know you have the ability to create your schedule that works for you I you know have worked on a schedule and not just sleep, but also having time where like you aren't pushing yourself and you curl up with a blanket and a cup of tea or like, yes, you know, do yeah. those nurturing self-care things that rejuvenate you because yes. you're worth it. <laughs> yes. Because you're worth it. Yeah. Because you're worth it. And then also, you know, there's, there are studies that show that, um, like the more we worry about not sleeping, 
the, the worse it can be. Whereas, so to your point, it's like when we do have these circumstances where that we're kind of out of our control or, you know, where we're not going to sleep, it's like also recognizing like, I'll be okay. You know, like, it's not the, cause like I had just said, it's this huge priority for me, but it also means that it's also not a big deal. If, you know, if I don't get enough sleep for a couple of nights, like I can roll with it. Everything's going to be fine. And so kind of having, I think even just a healthy relationship with how we think about sleep, a balance there, you know? Not creating because when we worry about it, we're creating more stress and we're creating, all yes. these, you know, and our body response like our body will, if you think something that's making you stressed, it will respond yeah. by becoming yes. stressed. Yes, that's gonna run out. <laughs> totally. So, that's cool. Very. Um, so, and just I have a feeling we could keep going for hours, but um, in kind of bringing this full circle, we're you know, for those listening that are like, okay, I've tried all the diets and nothing works. And you mentioned something that you, you did mindset wise that had you lose seven pounds. So I'm curious, just what's the first step? Like where, where do women start with healing where you really need to start, which is here, ladies, it's not about cutting the calories and restriction and how often you go to the gym or any of that. Like, well, let's push pause. Like my client did (laughs) and just let's start to heal our relationship with ourselves and our food. So where, where do you recommend that? So, um, for, for me, what I, for me, it was like, it's a four part process. Mm -hmm. And the first part is recognizing that. So for me, I, I only work with women who are overeating. Right. Um, so I don't work with women who, um, are, you know, just looking for the right kind of diet. That's, that's not from those. Those are not my, my clients. My clients are women who have done every diet in the book and they still are struggling with their relationship with food. They're still finding themselves overeating, even if it's healthy stuff, they're overeating it. They don't feel good about it. Um, and so for me, the first step is really for clients to understand, or just for humans to understand that it's not your fault, that the reason that you're, there are actual like, chemical reasons why you're overeating. Like there are things that are hormonal reasons when we eat certain foods, it actually like the example that I will often use that most people understand quickly is sugar, right? Which you referenced earlier. Like we've all probably had that experience where when you stop eating sugar, all of a sudden you find that you're not really craving it. But if you start eating sugar, like for me, it used to be chocolate covered almonds every day at two o'clock because I would kind of get into that slump at work and I'd be tired. And then so I'd start popping chocolate covered almonds. And then the next thing you know, every day at two o'clock, you like can't concentrate until you get your chocolate covered almonds because you're having such a strong craving for sugar. So if you don't have the chocolate covered almonds, you find the vending machine kind of thing, you know, because you're like, I'm going to figure this out. So the, that is an example of how what you eat, it's one example of how what you eat can impact your hunger levels and your craving levels. And so, and that's a hormonal response in your body. It's a chemical response in your body that it's not your fault that your body's having that response. There's good reason for it. And so the first thing is just to understand that it's not your fault. And there is actual science behind why you are overeating. Um, And there are answers and solutions, which is way beyond the scope of our talk today. But where I always tell clients to go first is to um, start with, learning how to, I actually teach a tool. Um, you can get it on my website, but the, the tool is basically how to, how to only eat when you're hungry and then how to stop eating when you're no longer hungry. And for most women who have dieted, like, like me, who have dieted for decades, our hunger and satiety, satiety, meaning our station, like our ability to feel satisfied by food, our hunger and satiety levels are totally out of whack. So I never 
felt really hungry. I mean, I would get starving at some point, but like hunger didn't really happen because I was always eating preventatively because we were always told as women, make sure you carry a snack in your bag and you don't want to get hungry. And then you'll become ravenous, a ravenous beast who's out of control, you know, like this idea of women. Right. And so I never really allowed myself to get hungry because I was kind of constantly eating to prevent hunger. And then if I did accidentally get hungry, it was scary because I was starving. And then I would eat this huge burrito and then I'd be overly full. And right. So it's about recalibrating those that hormonal response in your body. So it's learning how to feel your hunger and then also learning how to answer hunger before it gets to the point where you're feeling like ravenous and like you could, you know, eat a small, I don't know, (laughs) baby. And then, but then also learning how to feel your satiety levels when it first kicks in, which is something that was totally foreign to me. Um, And learning how to respond and respect that. And so um, I teach this tool. I teach it actually in under 17 minutes. It's not complicated, but it was the first tool I learned where I was like, okay, let me try this. Let me try. Because what we're doing is we are awakening those, those, that hormonal response in your body that most likely if you don't currently have, if you don't know when to start or stop eating because your body's giving you the signal, it's because you have died. You it's, it's called metabolic dysfunction. You've dieted so much that our metabolism's all screwed up. Right. Yeah. And so it's a matter of bringing that back into a balanced state. And then from there, then you can start to work on some of the other pieces of, well, okay, when I'm eating these things, I find myself hungrier. And if I stop eating these things, or at least eat them less frequently, I feel better. Again, going back to your point, Dr. Alex, of feeling good. And then, so that would be the second step. And then the third step is really then about, that's when it gets into emotional eating. Because for me, it was like, okay, well, okay, now I know when to start eating and when to stop eating. And, um, I know how to kind of change how I'm eating. So I don't have such strong hunger and such strong cravings, but none of that helps me when I'm exhausted after a long day. And all I want to do is drink a bottle of wine and eat a wheel of cheese with some bread because I'm tired and I deserve it. And that goes back to kind of what you were saying earlier about self-worth, right. And this idea of like, I actually deserve so much more than eating nachos on Friday night to like make up for my crappy week. Right. But in emotionally, I had gone to food for so long for comfort and for soothing and for fun and for all the reasons. So that's really the mindset part that comes in for, for my clients, which is okay. Now that I understand the chemistry, the science, and I know when I'm hungry and when I'm not, what do I do when I still want to eat, you know, because I want to numb out an emotion or whatever it is. So, so three part. And then the fourth part that I mentioned earlier, cause I said four steps, that fourth part is really then about once you've really learned how to stop eating for emotional reasons and really kind of gain control over that and feel like I eat and it feels good. Like 95% of the time, once we're there, that's when we really move into elevating self image. Um, because, and then that's where we really start to work on identity work and really becoming someone new with food so that it lasts right? So it's not a diet. This is a total lifestyle shift. So that was a very long answer to your very simple question, which is where do we start? <laughs> I say, start with that tool, which I, yeah. I, I can give you the, the link so you can put it in the show notes, but yeah, um, but, but it's at my website and it's a 17 minute training and it's, it's just that starting point, but it's that same starting point where I started and lost seven pounds and was mind blown. Yeah. And it's interesting because, well, and you're talking about becoming someone new. And this is mm-hmm. so prevalent in a lot of the work I do now, because um, it's actually prevalent in quantum physics too, which is the basis of my PhD program. And it's really, you know, we have to step into a new way of being 
in order to get somewhere. And as long as you stay stuck in your old patterns and your old, you know, way of relating to yourself and to food, you're never going to get to whatever it is that you want to become. 1000% agree with you. Totally. Awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah, this has been a lot of fun on many levels. Um, and I will put links to your your website into that tool that you mentioned um, in the show notes. But is there anywhere else that women can go to connect with you if they're like, I want more? Yeah, yeah. Um, so my website is leahpinelli.com, L-I-A-P-I-N-E-L-L-I.com. And I'm on Instagram at Leah Pinelli. I'm also on Facebook, but I'm mostly on Instagram. Seems like everyone is. I'm the opposite. I'm more on Facebook than Instagram, but I'm trying. I'm trying. The new I used to be. I just started to make the conversion like this last year. And yeah, just, yeah. you know, it felt right. So well, there you go. When it feels yeah. right, it feels right. Awesome. That's well, thank you good. so much for coming on and having this conversation with me. Cause thank you. Yeah. Despite, thank you for having me despite not feeling well. I really appreciate you rallying for this conversation. <laughs> it raises my energy. So it's yay. Thank you for tuning in to Emerge, the health podcast for busy, high-performing women, where we provide you with the tools, information, and inspiration you need to transform from overwhelmed, overworked, and overweight to vibrant, energetic, and on fire. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to iTunes to subscribe and also leave us a review. Also, I don't want to be working with you on your health only once or twice a week. I want to be in this conversation and in the trenches with you every single day. I invite you to join me in the Emergent Women Community Group on Facebook for the chance to interact with me live once a week and even more information, inspiration, and motivation to transform your health and become the vibrant, energetic, and on-fire version of yourself we all know is under there. Until next time, remember to keep putting yourself first so that you can better serve the ones you love and the things you are passionate about. Mm -hmm.